There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 53. A couple of quick announcements. Uh, I'm an idiot. Last week I announced that I will be performing in Chicago at Zany's on February 16th through the 19th. That is incorrect information. The correct information is I will be at Zany's in Chicago March 16th through 19th. I'm an idiot by a month. Also, I will be at the San Francisco Punchline from March 2nd to March 5th. And even sooner than that, the Nerdist Podcast Live will be at SF Sketchfest, also in San Francisco, uh, the weekend of January 28th. So you can get information on all these shows at Nerdist.com. It's just in the little sidebar under the heading that says, Look at me! Because I want you to look at me. Why won't you look at me? Okay, episode number 53. This is with Sarah Silverman, and we recorded it at an art gallery called Gallery 1988 on Melrose in Los Angeles. Uh, There's a show going on there right now through the 29th of January called Is This Thing On? Basically, the gallery went out to some of the most incredible uh, designers, painters, illustrators, uh, and each of these artists essentially depicted their favorite comedians in, in different ways, and... It is one of the most insane collections of art I've seen in one place in in recent memory. There were almost 100 pieces, and if you listen to this podcast, they're all people that that, that you would love. There are are paintings of Patton Oswalt and Posehn and Mr. Show and the Upright Citizens Brigade and Human Giant and Bill Hicks and Norm MacDonald and Seinfeld and Red Fox. and It's gorgeous. So if you get a chance... Either go there, like I said, it's running for the 29th of January at 7020 Melrose Avenue in Los Angeles, just east of La Brea, or you can go to Gallery1988, the number 1988.com, and uh, and you can look at uh, the entire collection there. It it will blow your friggin' mind. All right, so the other thing is, since we recorded this in the gallery, uh, what we realized as we started recording was... It was the most echoey location possible in art gallery. Who'd have thunk? What with the concrete floors, stark walls, high ceilings, and glass that makes up the front of the gallery. So we apologize for the echo. There's nothing we can do, but uh, hopefully the content will make up for that because Sarah Silverman was a delightful guest, and we were really excited to finally get her on. So please enjoy the Nerdist Podcast number 53 with Sarah Silverman. Now entering Nerdist.com. Can I get a little little fed up for you? Oh, let's get nerdy. All right. Oh, my God. 
My iPhone would not write, let me write Nerdist. It's like, Nerdiest? No. Yeah. You know what I'm doing. On the next version, I'm sure they'll get that in there. The word nerd gets autocorrected. Like, if there's any fucking word that the iPhone should have, should have been version one. Nerd? Yeah. There are some odd words in there, like Star Wars character names and stuff. You type in, it'll fill it. Greedo. Uh, we're at Gallery 1988. Uh, there's an insane art show going on right now through January 29th called Is This Thing On? where a bunch of phenomenal artists got together and, uh, and, and basically produced depictions of comedians that they enjoyed. And, uh, of course, I would not be a true narcissist if I not say that the Nerdist Podcast painting is fucking awesome. Which was done by Casey Weldon. I look spelt in that, so thank you, Casey. It looks really good. And who, Casey also did one of Scott Ackerman holding a wolf with laser eyes. Yes, and the wolf has large ears. Ear wolf. But, um... He certainly does. Yeah, you guys get that now, right? Yeah, I get it now. Yeah, I get, I get it. it. It's got human ears. Yeah, but uh, I, 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 the shirt I'm wearing uh, in, the, in our painting is an old shirt that I lost and I miss it. Jonah, it just it's me just a plaid shirt. No, it's not, actually it's not. So it's got a little bit of pink in it and blues. It's very yeah, like, good. It's like does, does it make you, you, you want to pull that shirt out and start wearing it around again? No, I just lost it. You lo- oh. How do you lose a shirt? Okay. Vegas. I drink your shirt all the time. Good. Uh, so we're here at this gallery with uh, our oh, guest right. is uh, Sarah Silverman, Yay. who has also Yay. been represented twice in the art show. Actually, uh, one is three times. I guess yes. One <laughs> three there's faces of silver. Oh yeah. Three faces, uh, and then and then the other one over. They're just gorgeous. I'm gonna. I'll post a bunch of these. They're on... way too good looking. No. You need to go like, oh, oh, you see those? Yeah. You seen her in person? <laughs> I wish I could say that about mine. <laughs> I, oh, I'm too good looking at my painting. Yeah, no. <laughs> but they're awesome. I mean, oh my God, that Andy Dick one is really pretty, yeah. unbelievable. It's so haunting. The haunting clown. Uh, the the Brian Posehn one with when he's got the exactly. one eye and the old, and, and then that one with Patton and a sack of Cheetos. The Brian one's unbelievable too. Yeah. And I love Zombie Louis C.K. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so good. Yeah, I'll post a bunch of these on the Nerdist site. Or just go to the website. Or, or you can go to Gallery 1988. I love the Bill Murray. The Both Bill Murray ones are awesome. I'm bummed that uh, the Bill, that Bill Murray one's gone because I would have bought it. I would have too. Full disclosure, I bought my own. I bought our podcast one. Chris. You should. No, I felt retarded about it because I'm like, I'm going to buy mine. But I was hoping that if we ever have like a, museum. a, a studio, right. we could hang it there. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking grander. You were thinking museum. Yeah. Podcast museum. You mean like the Louvre or uh, sure. the Met? I was hoping this was, uh, it would go up in the Oval Office. You think maybe it will? Yeah. Right above the president. Um, or in front of? Just in front of his face. Right in front of his yeah. face. I'm a Nerdist Podcast fan. Is that good, Obama? Should I be on SNL? Uh, Sarah, thank you for coming and doing our nerdy show. My pleasure. <laughs> now, let me ask you something, Sarah Silverman. Um... Ask me anything. Really? Mm-hmm. Are you an open book? Yeah. Well, I can always just not answer or lie, but I'll answer immediately. <laughs> now i got to think of a good question. Now, I what f- were you going to ask me? I was just going to ask you about performing and... and, and... <laughs> That's just how I breathe. Oh, my God. Are you okay? <laughs> no, okay. Sorry. That's how I breathe when I'm bored with questions. No, I'm it's totally such a Todd kidding. Glass thing. No, no, no. That's how I breathe. Honestly, that's how I breathe. Did, did Todd Glass ever do that thing with you where he makes you hang up on him? Yes. Has he ever done that with you? I've hung up on him. 
Todd does a thing where he'll go, just do this. It's really funny. I swear to God, just do this. So you ask me how I am, and then I'll start telling you a really sad story, and then when you just and then just hang up on me. So you're like, okay, but put it on speakerphone. It's funny if you do it on speakerphone. So I put it on speakerphone, and there's a room full of people, and I'm like, so how are you, Todd? Yeah, not that good. I just got back from the hospital. I think I have testicular cant, and then you hang up, and then everyone laughs. You can't help but laugh. So good. Chelsea Peretti will. Um she does the thing that's funny that in two different scenarios she's done to me. One was um, we were swimming in a pool and like, you know, running and jumping and catching a ball mid in, you know, in midair and stuff, that kind of stuff. And um, I, it was my turn and I ran and I like jumped to catch the ball, you know, and, and splashed into the pool. And just as I was in midair, she goes... Sarah of cancer, I didn't know what to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so funny, but it's like I'm laughing underwater and just like drinking water through my nose. Where are these snazzy comedy pool parties happening? Um, well, two summers ago, uh, I realized that there's a pool on the top of my roof and it's totally heated. I live in a building that's all old people. Mm Mm-hmm. And then one day I thought, like, what if we used this? <laughs> so there was, like, one summer that, like, Scott and Kulop and Tall John and Chelsea would just, every day, we went swimming and played, like, 10-year-olds. Like, got a t- million toys at, like, CVS, you know, and pool toys <laughs> and just acted like jackasses. And Actually, yeah, when you, when you were on the WTF podcast, uh, Tall John came over to go swimming. I remember hearing that. Yeah, yeah he it was like one up. summer, and then we were we couldn't wait for the next summer to come, and just, we never did it again. <laughs> that was it? They, yeah, could, they but, literally couldn't wait, and they never wanted to. And they never again. came back yeah. ever again. Do you, can we come over for a pool party? I would love that. Jonah will wear his full clothes. Yeah, I'll, wear, I'll, go, I'll be the guy with the shirt out of the pool. There Jonah. were some good times. You forget about pools. And splashing around and having fun because oh everyone's God. so busy trying to get fucking famous in this town. What, <laughs> people fucking forget about pools. And it's like really warm because of old people. They make it so warm. Right. And I like <laughs> and it's it. It's not like at that. all refreshing. I like it like well, it's that. Good. It's no, like, it's it's like good. The, the pool from Cocoon. It's very warm and they can get eternal They're life. They're stealing the life force yeah. from the. My dad was just talking about Cocoon the other day because that was one of two movies we ever saw together <laughs> and uh, we were talking about Cocoon and, and he was like you know why I love that movie no bad guys <laughs> hey that's true so true yeah and then um, the Wait, is other there a government movie, guy trying to get him or is that Cocoon 2 I, I didn't there's okay. a Cocoon 2 who watched Cocoon 2 Jonah Ray Cocoon, Steve Gutenberg he did Cocoon 2 Cocoon that was one of two movies I ever saw with my dad. I saw that when I was little. The other being? The other was Boys Don't Cry. Oh, shit. We clearly didn't know what it was about when we went to see it. And uh, really just... Wouldn't you be horrified if he was like, there are no bad guys in that one either? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, technically, he was... It was horrifying, and uh, nothing ruins the power of brutal transgendered rape like a constant stream of, oi! <laughs> I, just had a friend, I just had a friend that said she went to her parents for the holidays, and she was like, and we didn't know what to watch, and my mom had just read The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and so... We were like, oh, let's all watch this. So they all watched The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which is basically, apparently, the cinematic version, which I've not seen. It's just one long rape scene. Oh. And, like, brutal, just brutal rape after rape of this girl with the dragon tattoo. But she's uh. a computer expert, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I was watching. I never see, uh, had seen Cape Fear. Me and my mom were watching it, and then she knew the rape scene was coming up, and so she asked me to leave the room. And uh, I, I found so out. So she can masturbate. Nice. That's on her, though. That's on she her. She should leave the room. She should. And she then I just heard the rape scene, which I it sounded horrible. Like you know when you could imagine things way worse than they can ever be. And, like when I finally saw the rape scene, it wasn't nearly as bad as the. Well, way he doesn't it. actually rape her, right? He tries to rape her, just and then the shit out of her. And he doesn't. He doesn't actually get yeah. the rape done. Oh. No, he. You don't see it, but he. He beats the shit out of her. Jessica Lange, right? No, no, Iliana no. no. Douglas. Or no. they go? No, it's Juliette Lewis. Oh, you know the girl from The Licks. Right. Yeah, but he he bites like Ileana Douglas as they're like yes. fooling around, and she's oh, like yeah. she's amazing in it because she's just like laughing through it, like getting a kick out of it, like not taking it seriously. And then he like bites her nose off or something, or her cheek yeah. off, or why not? She, he keeps she keeps she, she, she gets cape feared. That's what happens. That's what happens when you get Cape Fear. Do you remember, do you remember Cape Munster from the old Ben Stiller show? Oh, yes. yes. Right. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Remember that at home? Hold on. It's Eddie Munster as... As the, the De Niro character. De Niro. Yeah. It's his old manager, right? Is it, who is he going after? He's going after the guy who canceled the Munsters. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he goes after the guy who canceled the... I was a young executive at the time. <laughs> I don't know what... I, he won't leave me alone. I think it was Odenkirk was the yeah. young executive. Did you... When did, did you ever do any... You didn't do the Ben Stiller show, did you? Mm-mm. But you've been working... You've been working I for, was living in New York then. Was that before us? That was right around when you were doing SNL. It was... It was before. It was, I think. I was at SNL in, in 93, 94 season. Is it? That's so it was like 91, 92. Is it as? It's, it's so, you know how, like, it talk about, like, how technology is obviously, like, it's unbelievable what has happened in our lifetime. Yeah. When I was at Saturday Night Live, they, we didn't have computers. We, hand, we wrote on legal pads and gave our sketches to typists. Oh, weird. Nice. <laughs> I remember that because I, I was I was in college around that time and I never we didn't have the internet. I had to no. go to the fucking library. I had a Commodore five hundred or something like word processor. Yeah, my, my roommate had a word processor, where you'd have to go and get five different textbooks if you were going to plagiarize properly, <laughs> <laughs> and then oh, put it and then add in all those so it seemed like it was your voice. Yeah, I was watching the Larry Sanders show today and they showed the writers room and it's just like stacks of newspapers and magazines and they're like flipping through it. It's like, oh, that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, just a bunch of silent guys and girls like at a table. It's only their laptops. thirteen years ago or something. Oh, whatever, Jesus you know? Christ! No, it was twenty almost. God damn it, that it's hurts. 2011. Uh, Jesus Christ. I know. Don't date the podcast. Don't date it. I don't. It's not. Uh, it's it's any time. It's any time. What'd you do for the New Year, Sarah Silverman? Uh, me and my love partner, Alec, um, stayed in and ordered in and watched the various um, balls dropping. <laughs> Ball droppings. And the, it was fun. It was perfect. Did you see... Uh, did Whitney do something on MTV? Yes. She did something. It was Snooki, I believe. Yeah, I, someone told me that they saw it, and they said she was really funny, but the audience was full of, like, people who liked Jersey Shore unironically. It was, like I watched game. it, and, it, yeah, it looked like a real hell quake. Like, she clearly had, you know, as she always does, prepared. Yeah. Her jokes were great. And she's standing there. I don't know who... Who I would have gone crazy if I was her, her or her. I mean, but she's like a pro, you know. But it's like they have the Jersey Shore, which 
I was done with them after the first, like, couple episodes. I was like, oh, that's great. Okay, I'm done. Like, I don't... It bothers me that they're so famous, but it's not that much, but whatever. It's not my cup of tea. So, they're on MTV, so Jersey Shore is, like, they're there, and they're sitting, like, on the couch or in some little nook area. And then, with all her jokes, instead of going to the audience for laughs, like, cutting to the audience laughing yeah. they cut to Jersey Shore like laughing and first of all it's just no fun if they're in on the jokes right and yeah. it's not for they're not the audience like they sh- they should have been cutting to the audience for laughs and never cutting to the Jersey Shore during yeah. after a punchline you know what I mean yeah well I guess what we've learned is that don't let MTV shoot your comedy special well, it's not her comedy special. <laughs> that would be the weirdest comedy special. But I, we flipped around a lot, and I watched... Um, the best was Kathy Griffin on Anderson Cooper. It was so good, because it was just like no teleprompter, no cards or anything. So loosey-goosey. And he's like, he's such a like serious, great, awesome newsman, but he still is... A guy, you know, <laughs> one of her, you know, crowd. You know, I mean, I'm, I love her too. I'm her demographic. But you know what I mean? Like, you could see he was giddy to be around her, oh, and awesome. and she just makes him giggle. And she was so she. This is what she does best. It's live. She's totally off the cuff. Every five seconds, she was going ten, nine. <laughs> you know, like it was really fun to watch. I think oh. she's underrated in the alt community. Well, I um I remember I mean Kathy, boy, I feel like I met her when we were doing that show Trashed at MTV in like 1994. Oh my god. I think she did she was doing stuff on there and I think maybe she was teaching at the Groundlings at the time or something and uh Was that the show where that guy John Bowman was like a floating head? No, Trashed was a show that I did with Cross and Hussein and and Benson and all those nerds. It was like a game show, like I a like it, a. No one remembers it. It was. It didn't last very long. What was the floating head show? God, something that Roth had something to do with, and I think it was on MTV, and I don't know. But it's fun. It's been funny to me to watch. It's been fascinating to me to watch Kathy's career, and especially I just. Right before the holidays, I watched like 10 minutes of Joan Rivers' A Piece of Work. Oh, yeah. But it was also around the time of my birthday, and I got really bummed and sad because she was talking about how, like, you could see her age. And I mean, like, I mean, obviously you could see her age because she looks like a piece of plastic, but I mean, like, you could see her in her eyes, you could see that it was, it was weighing on her soul that she was 75 years old, and she kept saying, like, like her her book her book of yeah. dates was empty and she was like yeah they gave that one to Kathy Griffin yeah that was her thing she would always it's, shit talk it, it's heartbreaking because that movie's heartbreaking it's yeah. so good and it just makes you have so much respect for her and like but also it's heartbreaking because it's just it just seems like she doesn't allow herself a moment of happiness yeah you know but don't you feel I'm just gonna twist this so a little bit this negative. way don't you feel like that's that's I mean, you seem, you're a comedian, you seem pretty happy every time I see you, but... Yeah, I'm not, I, I don't romanticize unhappiness. I, I know unhappiness and depression, and it's, um, I, I don't, I, I don't romanticize it at all. I, I, I strive for happiness every day. <laughs> I think that's I a good goal. I mean, so many yeah. comics, I feel like we do this, 
day in, day out, year after year, there must be some goal in mind. We want a special, we want to, you know, like, I don't know, fill theaters or whatever it is. And I, I've seen, I see so many people get to that level, and they are just as unhappy as they were before they got there. I'm just trying to fill some kind of hole. And know? I'm not saying it's false or anything, and that's not what I meant about Joan Rivers. I mean, I mean, she's the real deal, but it's just, I just... I wish so much I could, like, if I could give her, like, an ounce, you know, some of my own happiness, yeah, you know, yeah. or just, like, a ability to be okay, you know, and not be thinking, like, this person has this, or this person has this, you know, it's just, like, she's so special, and she's so talented, and I'm just, like, I wish she could feel it, you yeah. know? Well, especially about the impact that she's had on comedy. I mean, I, yeah. my parents, we used to go to Vegas a lot when I was a kid, and, um... My parents took me to see Johnny Carson perform live, and Joan opened for him. Wow. And she was probably like, I guess she was in her 40s at the time. So she didn't, you know, she hadn't gone through the physical transformation yet. But, you know, she came out after the show, and we talked to her, and she was really uh-huh. sweet. That's and awesome. my, my mom's always adored her ever since, ever yeah. since then. I, uh, I have some friends uh, that do the art department on her show on uh, Style Network or mm-hmm. E now. No, E! Fashion Police, it's yeah. so good. It's very funny, <laughs> uh, but they're all, like, they're just like guys that, you know, set up the table and put the lights up, and she uh, knows all their names, and she's like constantly cracking jokes and asking them about their life, and when they see, when she, the next time she sees them, she like makes jokes about something that they were gonna go do. Like, she's like, she's apparently just the nicest person. Straight up funny. I mean, like, you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, she was funny, or she's an icon or whatever. She's like as vital now as she yeah. ever was. And that show, Fashion Police, you know, I'm not a fashion person, but like I've watched it tons of times because I have a little TV in my bathroom when I'm getting scrubbed, you know? <laughs> and, um, getting scrubbed by other people, right? You have a staff of people. Yeah, who I have scrub a, a staff of, of young maidens mm-hmm. that scrub <laughs> me head to toe. No, I don't know. You know, wash my face and all that stuff. And uh, it's so funny. It's like she has... She always has, like, at least a handful of really hard jokes in it. You know, yeah. it's so impressive, and it's a perfect frame for her. I'm just, makes me happy. I'm a fan of her Twitter. I'm a fan of her, like, she has good tweets. Yeah. Yeah, they're very funny. They're, they're just good jokes, you know, good little one-liners. Even the clips of her in the, that, that documentary were perfect. Oh, my God. And it's, it's just... her, it's her fucking, we, we can say fuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's her fucking around, yeah. you know. It, it's her, um... I think her first reaction when she, when she saw it, I believe she told me this, was, was like, oh, you know, it's not my polished stuff. It's not my, you know what I mean? It's just like she didn't understand that, like, it's amazing to see the immediacy of, like, her, her weekly jokes she's working on that some work and some don't. It's like nobody's, it, it's mind-blowing that she's so vital still. And, like, she goes to that, what is it, the cutting room or whatever once yeah. a week mm-hmm. and tries out new jokes. And she's like, you know, I don't know, it's pretty mind-blowing. Have you gotten to hang out with her alone? No, I just, I happen to have done, we were both guests on Jimmy Fallon. Uh, one night when it was coming out, and she was she just backstage like told me a bunch of you know told me stuff, and she also there was an article written about her in New York Magazine right before that, and she called and I had read it it was great and she called me like she she got my number and connected with me and left me this amazing message that was just how she was horrified uh, that you know because she mentions me and it's. It wasn't even negative. It was like, it was funny. It was great. You know, it wasn't, I read it and loved it, you know, but she was, she's so sensitive, like in the best way, like, like, um, 
you know, she was so worried that I would take it the wrong way or be hurt. And she was like, I'm sick about it and blah, blah, blah. And my words were twisted. And I was just like, I just wanted to lift any anxiety off from her. Cause I mean, I had read it before then and I loved it. It didn't even cross my mind. I mean, maybe it's cause I think so much of myself, maybe that it didn't, you know, I was like, oh, ha, ha. you know, I mean, I thought it was great. And I mean, she had absolutely no reason to apologize, but it's just so nice that she's very, you know, kind and worried that she's going to hurt people's feelings, which is funny because she's this, she, you could say she's an insult comic, you know, but I think that's probably true for a lot of insult comics and a lot of people who are talk about specific people, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, uh, Kathy Griffin's one of the nicest people in the world. (laughs) She is. And, and also like, you know, David Spade said he got tons of shit when he started doing Hollywood minute. And then I guess you don't, and, and, and I do Chelsea all the time, and I had to start writing differently. Actually, Whitney Cummings gave me some phenomenal advice. She was like, rather than writing about the person specifically and taking shots at them, because your first impulse is, I'm just going to write the meanest thing I can think of about right. someone, is, is just write about the situation. Yeah. You know, like, oh, that reminds me of this, when I try to do this thing. I'm like, oh my God, that's so, because I, I kept saying horrible things about people. And then feeling shitty afterwards, like, oh, I, that's not who I am. I don't like to yeah. insult people, yeah. and, and I'm just shitting on people. I watch that a lot, too. On, I watch E! like on my bathroom TV when I wash my face, and I watch... And I just think Chelsea lately is so tight. It's so good. It's like, she does such a good job. She, she's such a pro, and she's funny, and like... Um, you get to know the pe- the kind of family of the show, like the backstage yeah. antics and the things like that. I think she does a really good job. I think it's great. I think I love seeing everyone that's popping. Like Guy Branham is in that Natalie Portman movie. Is he? Yeah, he's not 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 Black Swan. Oh, he's in the what is it? The Minus or no strings attached. Can't sex friends. Stay best friends? Keep that, I don't think. Oh, yeah, that's the oddest uh, log line. Yeah, it doesn't... Say, it, I've it never doesn't, heard of the term sex friends. No, I sex think, friends doesn't exist yeah. and doesn't really roll off the tongue at all. Sex friends. Do you want to be sex friends? Not now, because I don't I like know, that term that you just you are no used. To me. I would never be sex friends with someone who would use the term sex friends. <laughs> I don't know if two of the hottest people in like, the entertainment say, industry would just be best friends. Fuck buddies be best buddies. They could say, they you know, could friends with benefits uh, still... Have the benefits of a real... Re- that's too long. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> now you're writing a dissertation. Right. I don't know if that would work. Well, guys. Yeah, let's just do like that F crazy at star... <laughs> little dynamite rocket yeah. uh, exclamation dings. point wingdings wing yeah, yeah. wingdings webdings oh yeah that's why what we have that? them is this dumb like if you wrote a letter if I was a kid today this is would be my secret club like I would write an email to a friend then copy it all put it in wingdings yeah. then send it to them and then they would have to Take it out of wingdings and you know put it yeah, into whatever times all, new and then Roman. Change the uh, change the typeface. Or yeah. That's a good idea. Although sometimes some of the characters don't have a correlating ding, and so you just get that little box. Sometimes yeah, but if you write it in regular, yeah. and then you tr- transfer it to wingdings, yeah. and then you transfer it back to regular. Wingding friends. We're gonna do that. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna. What? If you're a kid out there, that's I what I would do. That. I think it's for that. Wingdings oh. is for that. secret letters. I am going to start sending you wingding emails. Yay! <laughs> well, you uh, you will be my first wingding friend. I'm so excited. It's just gonna say uh, drink your Ovaltine. 
Yeah, that's all I was going to say. You know what I am? When I was a kid, I just remembered this. My favorite thing I ever got, and now I'm going to, I wonder if it would still be cool today to give to a kid, like a 10-year-old kid. Uh, Someone gave me a fingerprinting kit. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) To fingerprint fingerprint your parents and fingerprint the neighbors. Fingerprint everything in the house. You're like, you know, you feel like you're doing something. (laughs) (laughs) Who touched this? (laughs) I got really excited because at Bumbershoot this year, they had one of the tents uh, was letting people make shrinky dinks. Those oh. little things that you color in, they're like, it's like a thick oh my paper. God, yeah. and, and then you bake them in the oven and they shrink up and harden. Awesome. That was, I thought that was yeah. such a genius idea. Yeah, I was at a party once where they had that set up and it was like a keychain. Like they would turn it into a keychain for you. Oh, that's Great. awesome. Yeah. We need to make podcast shrinky dinks. Let's do it. I find keychains to be burdens on my pocket. Yeah. I agree. I, 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 just, I just have a keychain that separates my two keys so I can take my car key off and give it to them at uh, work. Is that a magnet kind of thing? No, it's just, a little, it's just a little ball and socket thing. I don't like having keys in my pockets. That's why I have the little uh, you know, attachment on my belt loop. Yeah. yeah, and you're a janitor. Yes, exactly. So yeah. many keys to keep track of. <laughs> Every classroom has a different key. One of those giant hearing ring. rings <laughs> and then just have one or yeah. two keys. But, but <laughs> it's, it's filled with like those old Victorian keys, yeah, those exactly. giant brass keys, keys, and then an Audi key. That'd be pretty <laughs> sweet. Exactly. That'd be pretty awesome. Are you performing a lot right now? Or are you doing a lot of live stuff? Not a lot like New York style, but yeah, I'm doing a bunch of sets whenever, you know? Yeah. Um, at UCB and Largo mostly. And then every once in a while I'll walk right over to the comedy store because I live right near there. And I remember one night, like a month ago, I did like all three rooms in one night and it was so cool and it's just such, each room has such a totally different vibe. I think everybody forgets about that the comedy store is there. I remember it's there, I'm just afraid of it. It is, it's scary. You don't know any of the comedians there. It's a whole other world. It's 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 like Brigadoon. You know, I always think like, boy, if if you can survive at the comedy store, Two things will happen. You will either get super bitter and angry, or you just become a bulletproof comic. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, what was fun about that is I did the main stay, the main room, which I was that's there the to big do. One, like, right? Or is that the original? The original the room's the, the mid-sized, yeah. small room. So the main room is has seems to always be really good, like the crowds and everything. It's like a seem feels like you're on the road where everyone's psyched to see comedy. Isn't that where, is that where Pryor did Live on the Sunset Strip? Was it in the main room of the... I don't think that... I think... Why do I feel like the main room's newish? It's newer know. than... It's definitely newer. Yeah. Then I did the original room, which 100% of the time that I have ever performed in the original room, I've bombed. Like, yeah. you you can't not bomb, or I it can't. It is the worst. But you, you go in expecting it, so it's super fun. You let... You just have long silences, and you let everything breathe. Or that's what I did. You know what I mean? And there's like a, a subversive joy in it. Yeah. And then I went up to the belly room, and that particular night they were having the blackest of black <laughs> shows I've ever seen in my life. It was like it wasn't just like black comics. It was like if you can add a couple extra soft days to black. <laughs> and that was the most fun. Like, that let me go on. It was the only time where I had a nonstop heckler that was pure joy. Like, <laughs> I fell, we fell in love, me and this girl. And um, 
you know, you just abandon any plan you have and just like try to survive. And it was so fun. And then afterwards, I hung out with that girl and her friend back um, in behind the club and we smoked pot. And then the guy who dresses up like Jesus and walks all around the West yeah. Village mm -hmm. came over. <laughs> and the people who work at the comedy store know him and they're like, Hey, Kevin. And Kevin. he smoked pot, too. And it was... I took a picture of it, actually. <laughs> but anyway, it can move on, and I'll send it to you, maybe. Yeah, send it to me. for the website. I'll put it on the website. I don't know if that's interesting at all. But well, you've referenced it. I'm sure people want to see it. I'm sure people want to see the picture of Jesus smoking pot. Oh, well, yeah. Well, we weren't smoking pot <laughs> in picture. I just take a puff as a treat when work is done. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen a, uh, Chris Rock in the original room up front, and just like you said, long, long silences. Yeah. Well, because like, it's, it's Chris Rock. there's I've, like four people here, and then yeah, there's one massive here, gaps, and then like two people yeah. there. It's I've never I've, I mean I haven't been there in years, but the times that I would go there, it was never full. Yeah, it was just like where are these people coming in from? Yeah, the time I've done it, just I remember the first time I was nervous enough as it was, and I just I was walking up, and I hear a guy just go. Ugh, another nerd. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the feeling I had going in there. It's like, I went in there, all the cops were wearing leather jackets, and they're all smoking cigarettes. I was like, these guys are fucking tough. They're the bad boys of comedy. And bars. Do you remember a guy named Steve Rosenthal? He was like a friend of, you know, kind of like a, a Todd Glass protege, and he played piano, and for a while he got a gig playing piano um, at at the uh, at the comedy store. This is the story I heard, anyway. No. And know. one night, he was so frustrated with the, like, false premises of so many of the comedians, or maybe one particular comedian. And so, um, one night, he, the, some, the comic is up, and he, for some reason, has, he's just, you know, they had the, the pianist plays people on and off. Mm -hmm. and he has a mic for some reason. Maybe he introduces the ex. And he's a quiet guy, and this comic goes on, and he's just like, what? Uh, when a cat is caught in a tree, uh, why do we call the fire department? <laughs> and then Steve just leaned into his mic and went, because they have ladders. <laughs> and I think that's the last thing he worked there. <laughs> you know, I'm up here trying to do my art about... Cats and trees, and this fucking guy just yeah. steps all over my one joke. I'll give it to the uh, comic store to have a comic, so they really power through no matter what. They have to. They you have, have to. to. It's. Yeah. I mean, if you if you think of if you think of comedy environments as islands of the Galapagos, you see he you see these very specific evolutions of comics, yeah. and and very, you know, because you're going to gravitate toward your comfort group. Yeah. And so you're gonna you, you know you're you're gonna see styles that are indicative of where people are performing regularly, and then, and it's and it's and they're a product of their environment. They're a product of the type of people that go there. If you perform for douchebags all the time, you'll probably be kind of douchey because, you know, if if you're if you're a performer, you're gonna want to do well, so you're gonna naturally gravitate toward jokes that they understand. <laughs> I said it's a great picture. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That is a stunning picture. No, it's not a stunning picture. No, that is a stunning picture. It's that, pretty good. That yeah. guy's face. It was a really fun night where it's like everyone kind of came together as friends and bonded. You should have gave that to someone to paint for this show. <laughs> that would have been great. 
Uh, I'm staring at the Steve Martin picture juggling cats right now, and uh, you told me an awesome Steve Martin story once. I did? You did. Oh, the Martin Short Show thing? Yes, but what's awesome now is that, because uh, I'm following him on Twitter, and me he, too. he's following you. I, let me tell you something. Every, wow. every week or so, or not on the button, but I mean, you know, I'd look to see who he's <laughs> following, because he kind of was just following the same like 20 people or something and they're usually like all professional banjo players yeah. right and yeah. I didn't think that I, I just kind of did it like you know when I'm walking my dog it's not like I really thought anything but I clicked on it again and he was following me and I was just like wanted to cry of happiness yeah because when you, you told me the story it was sort of a, it was sort of a heartbreaking like it I could see when you were telling it that it it shredded you inside because you yeah. felt like I'm sure he would never remember, and he's so, I mean, uh, any encounter, I've had very few encounters with him, he's always really nice, but it was like, you know, I think I was so excited to be on the panel with him that I, I got flummoxed, and he just basically, he, I, I did it, it's such an old joke now, I can't even remember it, and it was, it's, it's um, dated, but anyway, he asked me to, like, explain it at the commercial break, because he didn't get it. It, didn't, it was like about talk to the hand. That's how long ago. <laughs> he didn't know what that was, talk to the hand. And I just like suddenly got like angry. Like, why don't, why aren't you involved enough in the world that we're living in that you, you know what I mean? Like, you know, but I was just like, it's, it's just like, you know, and I couldn't even think of an example. Like I just was flummoxed and like almost angry, but you know, that's crazy too. And as I'm like spitting and like trying to explain it to him and, he just kind of very calmly looked at me and said, I'm going to go now. I mean, oh. he was on pace. He stayed on panel with me, and we're at the commercial break, and then he was just like, when we came back from commercial, he was gone. <laughs> he was oh. like, but it wasn't like he was, I don't think he was mad at me, and maybe he would remember it. Maybe, I'm sure he wouldn't even remember this, but it was just like um, my heart just like sank. Like I just felt like, ugh. And you just reminded me that Martin Short had a talk show. I totally forgot yeah, Martin Short had a talk right. show. He's in the most... It, that was like the wrong frame for him. He's too great to be like a talk show host. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He needs to be performing. Oh, my God. He's amazing. Well, do you watch Damages? Oh, yeah. Well, Janet got into Damages, and the casting choices on that show are insane. It's the greatest show ever. I'm, I just... They just started airing it on 101 on DirecTV from the first episode of the I know, we, we, we kind of got, we got excited, like, there are new episodes? And we're like, oh, no, they're just... That's they're what Alec and I, like, made a plan to, like, watch it. <laughs> yeah. And it turns out that they're running all three seasons, and then in the summer it will start with the new season. But I was just as excited watching the old, like... Anyway, I'm still talking. I'm so sorry. What are you talking about? <laughs> first of all, this is, you're our guest. Aww. And please direct it. You please. have to be nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like no. Listen, I think it's great. We talk over people constantly to tell our own uh, uh, self-centered stories. So when you have a good story to oh, tell, so that was this, dude, these are among my self-centered no, stories. Oh, god damn it! And what if she's like, I'm going to go now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. No, I'm saying we talk about ourselves a lot on the podcast. So you are engaging us talking about something other than ourselves, which is really which nice. Which reminds me of something I did once where... Jonah, oh, that sorry. is a great premise that you just ruined. <laughs> um, how do you write... I've always wanted to ask you how you write. Oh, my gosh. Um, well, I am not as disciplined as I should be, and I'll, for a long time, 
I really kind of started over, you know, because I had to kind of throw away my old stuff. And, you know, I mean, I'm no Louis C.K. who's like just (laughs) trying to break records. uh, Prolific. But I do notice that when I put a couple hours of work into something, uh, you know, it's incredible how much you can, you know what I mean? Like, I started uh, maybe spending an hour thinking about my set before going out, and it's helped a lot. Well, I think because when we start out, I feel like for me, when I started out, it wasn't, I'm going to sit down and write. It's just, oh, shit just comes to me. Yeah, and, and then you get that pattern. And that's how it does happen. And I, for me, Twitter, you would think it's, you know, I think some people think I don't want to waste my jokes on Twitter. I love trying out little premises and things on Twitter and like some of the things I've written on Twitter have become jokes you know that have been more fleshed out you know I don't think it really burns it I think it's a great way to kind of like test things out but um some things only work on Twitter too but sometimes I work on sometimes I sit and write you know and that's always really fruitful you know I mean but a lot of times I just kind of put a set list together before I go up and uh, hope that something gets realized on stage because mm-hmm. that's really but it's better to put work into it I'm realizing it really is little elbow grease goes it really a long is way. but I feel like I feel like the jokes in my head that I think are going to be the buttons never are the buttons yeah because the audience in my head is fucking stupid, clearly, and does not know what other what the actual physical audience is in real life like. It's also amazing how one that audiences totally work as mobs. You know, like you can go and do a joke and everybody laughs, and you can go down the street and do the same joke and nobody laughs. Yeah. Like you go, how is that possible? Surely some people must. But it's like a real mob scenario, not in a bad way, but. It's interesting, and uh, there was something else I wanted to say. Oh yeah, you could have a joke that is not getting laughs. And I remember I had a joke, it never got a laugh, and I gave up on it. And this is a million years ago, and this comedian, Mike Sweeney, who I worshipped, um, said, I really love that joke, you know, and I was like, really? And it gave me some sort of new confidence that I don't know what chemicals changed in my brain because of it, but it ended up being like my big killer joke. <laughs> like, and it's just nothing changed other than some sort of like confidence or something I had yeah. in it in my head. But it's isn't that funny? I bet you guys have examples. No, I of course, of course, because there there are jokes that uh, that I would I would try and just and, and feel like no, I really feel like there's something here, and it's same same exact thing, and then. It would work once, and then, it, just like you said, something would change, and then it would all of a sudden be a go-to. I, I, I guess it must be, maybe it's a body language thing, or a presentation thing, or... I was close to getting rid of a, a, a joke, and then I remember we, we did a show together... Uh, the Dan Aykroyd joke? Yeah, the Dan Aykroyd joke. I love that joke. <laughs> Thanks. And I remember I was like, I did it a couple times, and like once it did great, you know, and then two other times it just kind of you know floundered. I was like, eh, maybe it's maybe it was just a fluke. Because I'll I'll always uh, listen to the negative. If like the joke doesn't go well, I'll be like, well, they're the ones who were right. They were correct. The other <laughs> people, they're fucking dumb. But then you said backstage, you're like, oh, I really like your Dan Aykroyd joke, and I was just like, I was like, oh, I'll try it again, and then it just kind of consistently wow, became so the closer. I'm excited that not only do you guys relate to this, but I actually am the Mike Sweeney. Yeah, so <laughs> but you must know how influential you are on comedy. Everyone, I mean, you're you're sort of a 
You're a senior classman. Ugh. But in a... Not like an old <laughs> no, no, person. No, no. You know, I know what you mean. I mean, that's... That, you know what? I need to embrace that and be happy about that. You know, it's... There's a weird adjustment from being, like, always the youngest or, you know what I mean? And then just being... And then... And I always thought of it as freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. Me too. Always. But, it, yeah, I am a... Like, I remember the senior class when I was starting out was, like, Ray Romano and, like, all the people that... Where the, you know, I mean, of course he still is. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, in the clubs. Yeah. You know, it was Ray Romano and Mark Cohen and David Tell. And David Tell was just coming up even still, you know. But you, I, I, I feel like, I feel like, you, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm just not sure that you're aware. I don't know if you're aware of that or, or, or maybe if you are, it's recently. What if I now become aware of it and I'm just a fucking asshole? And you just, you're, <laughs> it's not possible. You're too nice. You're too sweet. Yay! <laughs> I mean, even even because I've I'd emailed you in the past about doing the podcast before, and then there are other people, comedians that we know, that are just like, yeah, I'm busy or I can't. And you would always write back these sweet, like, oh my god, I would love to, but I can't. You know, like just like just taking an extra step to be nice, Aww. which is so sweet. But I also know that... Uh, but I've got to be the bane of Janet's existence, though, with Sketchfest. Because like, oh. I would put her through so much and go like, I want to, I don't know, I can't commit. When's the latest you need to do? Yeah. Ask me in two more weeks. Ask me in two more weeks. Mm, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but that's also, the, that's also the curse of being a nice person is you never want to hurt anyone's feelings. And so you're constantly like, yes, of course I want to help you with that thing. And then all of a sudden you realize, like, I can't do that because I don't have time. Yeah. No, but it's not even a favor she's asking. It's like something where, you know, comics go up and it's a blast and everyone has yeah. fun. It's just like I'm just a huge she underst- No, no, no. She understands. I mean, like, stuff happens. But I, I remember, um, I guess maybe two years ago, right after, your, right after the Comedy Central show was on, I did a show with the UCB and... Uh, and you were at the show, and I think Scott wanted you to go last. And you're like, no, I don't want to go last. I don't want to go last. And yeah. so you went up second to last, and then I followed you, and it was, it was really hard. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, you don't no, have to I apologize. keep going last. It, uh, yeah. La- and I know that's selfish of me because, you know, whatever. But I'm, first of all, I'm not, conf- I'm not like, confident enough to go last. Like, to me, last is... Patton or Todd Glass or Jeff Ross. But you're there. Paul but you're in there because everyone who was at that show was there to see you, and you fucking de- you fucking destroyed. No, it was awesome. I'll tell you, as a those those situations are good. Those just it's just a good situation right, to practice. Totally like you know, to go after someone who everyone came to see that crushes, and then you have to still like, all right, let me see if I can keep their attention. I always do that at Saren Friends at Largo. I have a show once a month, and. Uh, I always go on second to last because I like to smoke a little pot and watch the last person. I like to still, I like to, sh- I never can watch before I go on because I'm like too in my head yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But I want there to still be a show left after yeah. I'm on so, so I can like, because I love comedy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so it's not over. You're friends and you want to be able to watch them. Yeah. Having a little bit of an asthma. I'm sorry. Oh, are you okay? Oh, I'm all right, yeah. Do you want some water? Don't, don't look at me! <laughs> yeah, I think I just need to breathe. I'm okay. talking too much. So, fellas. Um, yes, guys. Um, Episode 53, uh, Sarah Silverman dies. Do any of you have a, uh, have a thing? An inhaler? An inhaler? Yeah. No. I will run get you one. No, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Okay. Do you need to stand up on her? Don't make her talk anymore. <laughs> Jonah, did you see Tron? Yeah. <laughs> did you? Yeah. I didn't see it. 
Yeah, so, yeah it's fun. It's a big how does you, how, how, Wait, hang on a sec. I just wanted to get back up and talk about how uh, I was always freaked out by the Primatine Mist commercials when I was a kid. <laughs> reminder, your asthma attack reminded me. Watching the animatic of the lungs expanding with the arrows going in from the oh, thing. Yeah, I used to. Always freaked me out for I some was, reason. I just I'm like, that's what my lungs are like? Yeah, I was yeah. diagnosed with exercise-induced asthma. Oh, you, ha- you have that? Yeah. I think I have a little but bit of like, that, too. Well, great. You tell me to lose weight, but if I exercise, my lungs close. That can't yeah. still be the case, though. That is the thing that I have. But still, the doctors say, I have an inhaler, I don't... It may not necessarily, it may not necessarily be asthma. It might just be, and I'm sorry to get super nerdy, oh it may be exercise-induced bronchial spasms, which is a little bit different, which is a little bit different than... Uh, Chris, I don't know if you know this, but I met a doctor lawyer yesterday. Matt met a doctor lawyer <laughs> yes, at, his, yeah. at his work where he works for a fruit company that sure. fixes com- makes computers. Makes things happen. Yeah. So I <laughs> <laughs> and he fixed a, he fixed a doctor's computer. The comedy world uh, savior. <laughs> I just fixed the uh, internet in here gallery. Yeah, the now, gallery 1988. Yeah, now gallery 1988 is in debt. Yeah, whatever. You know, I'll take a prayer to Bill Murray. I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, doctor, uh, he helped me. I was like, I have this crazy leg pain, doctor, and I haven't bothered going to the doctor. And, uh, I was just waiting. I, I was out. waiting for one to come in so I could replace his hard drive as and then get free he, advice. As soon as I found out, and he was like really excited to help me, oh. and he's like, "Listen, here's the deal. Tell me what's going on. Let me see your leg." And then like I'm out, <laughs> out around the bar, and he's like looking at me. Like, he's like, "Okay, where does it hurt?" And he's like mapping. He's like, "Okay." So that puts it between L3 and L4, and he's like talking about the nerves in my back. And he's like, oh, you probably have a herniated disc. Oh, did he grab your balls at the Genius Bar? Twice. But Genius <laughs> Bar, I mean. That was, uh, that was before the appointment started. Uh, but <laughs> the, uh, he's like, don't go to a doctor. They'll fuck you. And I was like, what? He's like, seriously, don't go to a doctor. They'll just try to get money out of you because you probably have good insurance. And, and they have kids that are in college, and they need money, too. So what they're going to do is order a bunch of tests, and none of these tests are going to do anything for you. It's a herniated disc. You gotta stretch, do some exercise, lose a little weight, take some leave for the swelling to go down. It's just swelling of your disc, it'll go down eventually and you'll be okay. And he goes, also, I'm an attorney, here's my card. Whoa! <laughs> you guys so, got here's drinks the thing, the cheesecake there's factory. nothing more important for your health, well there probably is, but then you're Laughter. like stomach oh. muscles. Yes. That's what the he core. said. The core. Your core. The core. There's not, if you do one thing, do core. Stretch a little, walk a little. Walk a little and do your core because it completely supports your back. Yep. Whenever my back starts hurting, it's because I'm not working out at all. Yeah, planks are easy too, and you don't really need a lot of space to do them. Oh, planks hard, but it's yeah, you can do it for thirty. If you can do it for thirty seconds a day. Yeah, yeah, you'll feel it. Instantly. Being good shape. Are you writing this down? What are you no, doing? I'm trying to see if I have his card. His card. No, I don't have. It. What if his last name was just lawyer? You know, I'm the doctor lawyer. <laughs> no, it's his. His, it has his name, MD, on the bottom, attorney at law. That's weird. Like, That's a sweet business. I think he's a con man. You feel yeah. like that? I do you think know. he's a sawyer? He seemed so nice oh. and he knew all about the nerves. You watch Lost? He's in that guy, the we guy played Sawyer's in back. the new uh, Mission Impossible. We have to go back. Uh, Why? Because I, we still have 12 more episodes. A hole in my heart from Lost. I, I can't imagine anything replacing the excitement I have for that show week to week. It's pretty hard. You really, the older you get, the more you cherish those experiences where you can literally be surprised by something and excited. Yeah. Um, just being able to talk to people. That's like, how I, I feel. The like day it. after was always all my friends, all of us online, just talking theories and sending links from different. Going on to Lostopedia yeah, and figuring Lostopedia. out. 
I was bummed. I really thought there was going to be some big Hanzo Corporation conspiracy. Yeah. And then it all turned out to be the Lord. Damn it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's oh. the biggest conspiracy of them well, all. Well, they don't mention God. Yeah. Could just I be know, the but... effect of the... Well, they do have weird people who guard all evil. Yeah. <laughs> the island. Twinsies. The twinsies. But anyway, what about it? Tron? Did you? Did either of you see it? Yeah. I have not seen Tron yet because I'm worried that it's going, going to ruin your childhood. Yes. Okay, that's fair. Oh, that's fine. You know, but I want to know how this is not a very good movie. Jonah, why don't you fucking shut your goddamn <laughs> mouth? That is. I want to know how young uh, Jeff Bridges looked. Um, I don't know. Was how, it weird? And how pretty young in computer age? Okay. Because it looks really creepy when yeah. he's all computerized and stuff like that. It probably looks like he had a bunch of plastic surgery. Yeah, he's pretty. Like the, I don't remember him being so much like the dude in the original Tron. It's like he's talking about these people being born within the system. He's all, it's bio digital jazz, man. That you just reminded me. I got Janet and I matching T-shirts from on T Fury, but it's it's two recognizers and then. Uh, the dude and uh, and uh, uh, his buddy John Goodman. John Goodman, oh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the dude yeah, is John Goodman, himself? but oh, in, okay. in in Tron in Tron gear. Oh, nice! It's pretty pretty sweet Tron. John Goodman was well, so was so good, but amazing in that movie. When he says yeah. "take the hill" and jumps out of the car, yeah. it's the funniest <laughs> thing in the world to me. Yeah. Take the hill. Are you feeling better now? Yes, thank you. Do you need a hug? You okay? No, I'm fine. Okay. Do you need a lawyer or a doctor? I know a guy. Uh, no. Okay. Lawyer doctor. Clearly they can't be the same guy. Really, he's usually oh, You'd be surprised. Why are you sending this patient's instructions in webdings? This is what she wanted. <laughs> this is how we communicate with her. She's gonna decode it. Um, at what point... How long have you been doing... You've been doing comedy for a while. <laughs> you've been doing comedy I mean, for a while. The first time I did stand-up <clears throat> a few times when I was 17 at summer school in Boston... And then I moved to New York when I was 18, and I started doing it, like, right before I turned 19. And now I'm 40. At what point? You look amazing. Thank you. Really? Uh, this is what 40 looks like. I think, I think our... I think are fucking hot. I think, <laughs> but I think our generation's 40 is, is culturally younger than the previous generation's 40. Yeah, because um, the generation before I got married when they were 20 yeah. and yeah. gave up... On life, and when they were by the time they were thirty, and smoke three packs of cigarettes a day, and yeah, yeah. that's what's great about Mad Men this season is they show it catching up. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I keep hoping that what's going to happen is that in one season they're just going to jump to the seventies, and you'll just see that that sixties sheen just turn to grease. They they it's so funny because uh, Tall John and I went to Conan when John Hamm was on it, like that first week of Conan. And um, that's exactly what Conan said. He said, Are you, what if this goes on to the 70s? Are you going to wear, like, bell bottoms and, you know, like, fringe? And, and he was like, uh, no. You know, he's like, I guess if it goes that long, I'll have to. And then Conan said, um, well, you should, you should have put it in your contract that you wouldn't go into the 70s or whatever. And then Ham bit his tongue and later said that he wanted, he was going to say, look who's talking to me about contracts. <laughs> and I was like, you should have said it. Like, Connor would have loved that. That would have been great. Yeah. It's so quick, you know. They awesome. would have done the thing where he pushed away from the desk and laughed. At the yeah. Draper, Don Draper would end up being one of those guys that 
totally that just the years of smoking and booze would just like he would look like an old shed yeah. but he would still try to fuck girls and they'd be like he used to be really he used to be really make it like like most 70s television like uh, where everyone's just kind of shiny all yeah. the time everyone seems sweaty in 70s television 70 yeah. and greasy yeah. and gross brown and orange Ugh. that's like uh, I don't know what made me think of this but you know Jim Vallely and yeah. his wife Maggie Rowe um, I can't remember which one of them thought of this, or maybe they came up with it together. <sighs> but um, that people talk to their dogs, they say what they want to hear. Like they have a friend who is like a <laughs> like a big like a hunk in in the you know eighties or something, and and now is like older. Yeah. And whenever he comes over, he'll go to their dog. Uh, you're an old guy, but you're still sexy. <laughs> it's so true. Like if you think about what you say to yeah. to dogs, you're uh, charming. People like you, dog. It's so sad. Like, <laughs> like I, to my dog Duck, I always go, "Everybody likes you." Everybody. No. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> I always, I, I, I swear at my dog, but but like in a really <laughs> sweet voice. <laughs> like. You're a fuck stain. Who's a fuck stain? Yeah. Scott, my dog Scott. I love it. We're just like Scott, get out of here, Scott. You sound like you're talking to a roommate. That's like yeah. That's why it was so weird when I lived in West Hollywood, and I positive my neighbors thought I was really shitty to my boyfriend. They'd be like, Scott, get off the bed, Scott. Get on the floor. Like I was, I would like they were like, there's a real master and slave component with the couple that live next door. I love that. My sister just got a dog and she named him Senator. So she'd be like, Senator, <laughs> Senator, Senator, no. <laughs> Senator, don't poop there. The Senator had the floor. The Senator has the floor. That was Laura Silverman. She's excellent. I enjoy your sister. She's very sweet She's and, beautiful and, and hilarious. And a delight. We did a show together uh, at Largo the other night and she read her haikus, which are just so funny. And. Haikus. <laughs> I love it. At what point in what point in your writing did you feel like you moved from writing jokes to these are just sort of extensions of who I am? Like you're just, you were basically just kind of dictating your personality. Well, oh, that's interesting. I think it always changes because, like, when I did um, Jesus's Magic. Thank you. <laughs> but I mean, that was basically like the best of my whole career. You know, it's like people don't realize your first special is great because it's the best of, you know, that. 10 years of material. I saw, that, I saw that in Kendall Square in Cambridge. I had to go. Oh. I saw it at Aspen. I saw it at the Aspen Comedy Festival. Oh yeah, I was there. Oh my gosh. Yep. I saw it at the Arclight when you introduced it. My. Oh, well, fancy pants. Point is, and I think you maybe introduced my introducing it and told people to turn their phones off. No, no, that's when you saw <laughs> you came to see Star Wars, I think, and then yeah. you, you said shut the fuck up, Jonah Ray, and then made the loudest fart noise I've ever made. <laughs> anyone anyone ever made. They're thinkers. They're thinkers. <laughs> In like a packed dome show too. That's like eight hundred people. The dome show. Yeah, yeah it's fun. Did everyone laugh? Fun. Yeah. Did everyone laugh? Yes, everyone cracked up. And it was, yeah. And then I had to go back to making popcorn. It was good, good experience. (laughs) Good times. (laughs) Good times. Good times working at the movie theater. What was my point? Oh, I think my point was in that I, I had kind of cultivated this personality of saying 
the opposite of how, you know, like being, it was a character, like an arrogant kind of whatever. And I think I'm a little bit more, as I get older, I'm like, there's a little bit more of me in that than, I mean, there's a little bit, I'm more myself than like, but I still kind of like, I think I always approached a joke, like, how do I feel about gay marriage or whatever, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever the topic is. And then I would just go at it from the opposite side, you know, argue the opposite side. But I don't know if I'm still doing that anymore. I don't know. I never really look at it until I'm promoting something. People people ask me questions and I have to like deconstruct it, which I always say like, I don't want to deconstruct comedy because it makes you so like identity crisis-y, but then I, pres- then I do it because I love comedy and I'm interested in doing that. Yeah. And, you have know? Ever, have you ever met a comedian that doesn't like talking and deconstructing comedy? I haven't. Um, n- no, but I feel like I, I've been hanging out with the same comedians for so long yeah. and yeah. the group of comedians that I'm friends with all pretty much all happen yeah. to be nerds who naturally gravitate towards deconstructing things. Yeah, yeah. So I like, I, I, I've never... I haven't really hung out with any like hardcore road guys that uh, you know, know like I don't want to fucking talk about comedy. There is a weird thing about comedy though. It's uh, where part of doing comedy and starting comedy is not only just going out and doing as many shows as you can, but also after those shows, going to a coffee shop with like a few of the other guys and just talking until the fucking morning yeah. about comedy. And just, uh, I think that's a big part of it. I mean, I think you get good at comedy because it's fun to go out every single night and try to get on stage and then hang out with your comedy friends and try to make each other laugh. So it's like, it's your, it's the, your joy that's making you better and better and better every day. It's like, who would, like, I couldn't even relate when I was a kid, you know, kid young, you know, and in New York to wanting to go to the Palladium or something, you know what I mean? Even then that was like a, a nightmare to me. Who have you seen anyone lately? That uh, who who are you digging lately? I went to see Norm Macdonald last night at the I Improv. Those shows. So he was awesome. at the Improv. Yeah. yeah, I just drove by there the other day and I saw his name on the sign and I was like, oh, that's what I'm gonna do on Saturday and it was awesome. Nice. First comedian I ever saw live, and it was in Reno. Wow. Yeah, yeah. it was amazing. The when fun. was this? This was in uh, 99, 98, 99, some of them. So where you grew up in Hawaii, not a lot of comics uh, come through uh, come through Oahu? No comics, because <laughs> there would be no way. It's like the locals wouldn't get it because they're not talking about how Portuguese people are dumb and Filipino people smell. And like uh, the tourists just don't. Is that is that is that is that kind of is that kind of racism par for the course? Yeah, yeah, no, like all Hawaii comedy is based in racism. That's all it is. Really? That's all it is. Any comic in Hawaii is just it's like you just point and laugh at all the different races. And it's like any if you're if you're Portuguese, just take any Polish joke and make it into a Portuguese person and it's that's what it is in Hawaii. It's like the Portuguese people are dumb and the you know and the Samoans are, you know, violent. Like, any, you take any jokes about uh, black guys out here, you do it in Hawaii, you just replace black guy with Samoan, and it's just people will, is, will just... So is there a Hawaiian Jeff Dunham that makes puppets out of coconuts and be like, hey, Samoan... <laughs> we have the technology to make real puppets out of poi and taro. <laughs> uh, no, but there's, you know, there's just, it's, a, it's different. I had to leave because I wanted to do comedy, and there was no... There was no is, is there a comedy yes. club at all? I know you think that would be, that'd be yeah. such a great gig. It's such a no brainer gig to have like a, a yeah, but it's not a Hawaiian to Hawaii and yeah. Comedy? yeah there's a place now there's a place now uh, that is a rock venue that brings out people now Doug Benson when uh, was headlining and he asked me to come and open up for him and that was the first time I ever did comedy in Hawaii and it was fucking weird 
It was really comedy weird. in your hometown, man. I've never done comedy in my hometown. Yeah, which is odd. Memphis. I don't think I want to do comedy there. Really? Small it's weird. Like, small town like Memphis. Yeah, who wants to? Well, no, but there's not really. There wasn't a comedy club there for the longest time. Like comedy just didn't. So, I don't you know. kill in Memphis, isn't yeah. that like all, like you do all your songs and stuff? Yeah, I don't know. Southern, all those southern jokes. I mean, you said you when you yeah, do the those cracker jokes. Brown. <laughs> yeah, you oh, said those jokes do well in the in the south. I gotta stop doing southern jokes. <laughs> I've not lived in the South in so long. I've not lived in the South in I so long. I want to go to... I, I've not... Other than, like, Austin and or so, stuff like that, I haven't really been in... The, like, I need... I want to go some... To check out the South. I don't see what real people do. It's... Yeah, man. No, <laughs> No, I mean, it would be... I just... I would love to go to Mississippi and be like... Just be the, like, odd bird out and then still... Go like this is what you see. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like this. Like instead of being intimidated and being afraid they're gonna like string up the Jew, I would just be do that. Sure. That totally reminds me of a story that like ten years ago, Zach Galifianakis was performing in England and he was bombing with the crowd but killing with the comics in the back. <laughs> and he he said he just jumped up on the stool and started yelling at the Brits. I am an American, goddammit! You respect me when I am talking to you! And like, he totally shouted and got out of I can never pull that kind of comedy off. I can never pull it off. I, I've wanted to so bad, and I, it, it just just doesn't work for me. You need a beard to hide behind. Yeah, I need a beard. I need a, I need a comedy beard. Well, when you're performing in the South and you get off stage and someone says something like, uh, Son, you'd be all right. You just need to do jokes about NASCAR and barbecues, stuff that people relate to. And you're like, God damn it. So. Yeah, but you get, like, we look at the small world they live in, but look at the small world we live in. It's so small. Liberal and Our world like, is way smaller. Yeah. Our world is way smaller. <laughs> is. I mean, how many, you know, how many fucking comedy nerds can there really be in the United States? I mean, there, there must be, like, maybe 10,000 out of 300 million people are, are, are comedy nerds. I bet there's a million. You think so? How many people are in America? 310 million. Roughly. census. Yeah, roughly 310 million. Out of those 310 million, about 200 million are just Caucasian. And then. And I say uh, so 1% of that are comedy nerds. 1% <laughs> of those of Caucasians. Caucasian so you're saying there's 2 million. So it might be 2 million people. Yeah, okay. I, w- I would buy that. 2 million people. More now than ever. Why aren't we getting more downloads then? <laughs> Shut up, Matt. We're surfing a river of success. Oh, you don't surf on the river. Fuck. I don't know anything about it. My doctor says I can't surf. Oh, Because I, <laughs> I have asthma. Ooh, asthma. I'm exercising. You have bronchial spasms. I'm like looking into a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> a fun house mirror. <laughs> I'm a girl and attractive. <laughs> uh, is there anything coming up that you're doing that you that you're doing that you want to talk about? Come on. No. Um, well, no, not that's not. Not that's compatible. <laughs> Your show looked so much like so much fun. The Sarah Silverman program. I'm well. I'm working on a on a new show, hopefully. But you know what I mean. Like it's in in uh, early stages. When is the When is this episode going up? Tomorrow. Well, so you, oh, it's coming out tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. No, Sarah. Sarah. <laughs> uh, I was gonna interview you. Can, I get, a, can right. I get another you know that, uh, uh, non-speaking role as Mark in your new uh, your new show? Yes. Sweet. You'll always be Mark. Always be Mark. Does it feel like 
does does it feel like I mean like you know the being successful because you are a very successful comic. Does it feel like what you thought it would feel like, or do you even ever think about it, or do you just try not no, to think about well, it? No, well, when I think about it, I go, oh my god, if me as a kid could see my life, I'd be, I just, my brain would explode, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, it's so fun. I had the same exact thought, like, when we had, when we had Weird Al on, I'm like, oh my god, right? Yeah. He's the nicest guy in the world, and then you forget that it's Al, and then you stop for a second, you're like, you know, because... Dr. Demento. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, we did a show with him, too. Firm and I had dinner with him. That's we so had dinner great. with him at Largo. We were doing a show at Largo, and he was in it, and, we were, and I was like, hey, Mike, what? you want to go next door and get noodles? And Mike just kind of half, just because Demento was there, he was like, do you want to go have noodles with us? And he was like, okay. <laughs> so, I don't even know what he looks like. He beard, looks like... Beard, right? Yeah, he's got a beard. Out. He's got a he has the beard, the top hat, and the and the tails and the red. Did he wear the top hat? He wore it in the show. He didn't wear it to noodles. Did he wear any tuxedo situation? No, no, no. He just wore his college sweatshirt to the to the noodles. What college? I can't remember. But we talked about how he got to be popular is because in the days when he was in radio, it people just didn't have access to music the way they do now, and he knew more and had more records than everyone else. Wow. And so that made him a commodity in the world of radio because you would bring your own records. Oh, wow. And so that's kind of how he carved out his niche because they were like, he, this guy's got everything. Yeah. And that's why they started putting him on the air. That's so great. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think I'm having bronchial induced spasms. Oh, I just learned that's what I had, not exercise. <laughs> well, Sarah Silverman, I think we're at the end of our hour. Um, but uh, <laughs> I feel like I gave you 110%, but in the past 10 minutes, I've been kind of taking a back seat, and I apologize. It makes you feel. Well, we wanted to. We, we wanted like to make sure that you were okay and that you weren't <laughs> <laughs> like in the corner having an asthma attack, and we're talking about Tron. Everything's gonna be fine, know, guys. Talk about something else. Hey, do you guys see Tron? <laughs> that, that makes it worse. Don't talk about nerd stuff. Do you like you like nerds, right? Uh. Do I like nerds? It's she my world. Nerds. Okay, good. I mean, what do you, what? Have you know. seen her boyfriend's childhood room? <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> what do, is do you know Alec at all, Alex Sulkin? I've met him twice at, I think at Largo, and he was a super nice guy. Funny Twitter. Um, I went to his childhood house in Massachusetts, and, uh, his bedroom is like untouched, you know, like, you know, it's exactly. <laughs> like a child right. died and his parents didn't want to. Yes. <laughs> this is and where it makes, Alec it, used to sleep. It's odd, but it probably makes sense because he, you know, when he was 14, he went away to sleepover high school. So it's like, yeah. it's not like he became an older kid. And it is wallpapered, all Star Wars wallpaper. Oh, like, it's wow. just the whole room is covered in Star Wars. Did you, and, and you must have tweeted somewhere. it. I tweeted it, yeah. yeah. Why did his parents do anything or why didn't he take it with him <laughs> take the wallpaper with him don't think do you not know how wallpaper works is it what, no it was actual wallpaper or he had posters up all over his walls like as if no could. no actual wallpaper oh shit yeah, do you mind sending me that too and I'll put it up my childhood uh, bedroom had just like movie posters just like it's no spaces in between phone. just straight across yeah, I did that. top to bottom yeah. all the way across yeah I had weird posters in my room for some reason someone gave my parents like 
20 copies of two different posters and one of them was a poster for the Eurythmics and the other one was for the band Taco. Wow. <laughs> so it was, the, <laughs> it was the, I, had, I had androgynous Annie Lennox and, and putting on the Ritz wow. Taco. That's awesome. And of course, you know, which protected, like, like watched over the, the um, Darth Vader helmet which was also the case for all of the action figures and, sure. and yeah. chess boards. Can I show you this? It's a video that's like 10 seconds long. And yeah. I also posted this online of Alec, um, on Twitter, rather. This is us Skyping, actually, but. <laughs> is that somewhere online that I can drag it over to the I website? I tweeted it, oh, you know, whenever this was. This was, I was in Canada and we were Skyping. Skype is the greatest. What do you, uh, is, it, is, yeah. is funny the most important thing for you with dudes? Um, no, no, but I mean, I, I can't, I'm just, I can't find, I can't get a boner for someone who isn't funny, yeah. but there are plenty of funny people that I, you know, that it's, they have to be also kind and loving and all that shit. And nice know? and sweet. Yeah. Uh. I'll cut this out if you want, but you told me something that Jimmy Kimmel said once that was one of the funniest things I've ever heard, where he said to you, guess where I'm going to fuck you? I'll give you a hint. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course, that is a joke. That was always a joke because I would never let that happen. But that is, I forgot about that. That was funny. And one time uh, we were... We got to see Coldplay sing a song, and they sang Yellow, and he said, um, if I sang this to you, it would be called Brown. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but I'll send you this Alec video, because it's funny. I don't know if you want to... I would appreciate that. This would be our most multimedia podcast to date. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Picture and a video? I feel like we should start adding, like, like, like linking back to stuff on the site so people have, yeah, can yeah. see extra stuff and have a reason to go there. Definitely. Yeah. You sure. gotta get traffic to the Come site. Come on, man. We gotta, this is the digital age. You gotta get traffic to the site. No, oh, it's unique visitors I'm looking for. <laughs> no, page views, page views. <laughs> Do you want a... One and a half second video, because I thought I was taking a picture of my dog's bleeding asshole that I thought I might need to take for the doctor. Sure. Yes, I would like that as a matter of fact. Personal use. (laughs) 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 All right, this might be a big hit on the website. I can't believe that. Now, was that really a bloody? Was that really a bleeding asshole, or did she have the blood pellet in there? He's, he's, he's. Gonna be 17 oh, in June, and he when he sh- shits, it like every time it breaks open, like that same wound, and it bleeds. But now I've got him on this all these like stool softeners and everything. It takes me like 20 minutes to fix his like um, meals because they have to like soften the. You know, it's very interesting. But anyway. Oh, wow, the poor little guy. Oh, are, like, really soft. And it's crazy. You don't know it until you have probably a kid and mm-hmm. what I know of, a dog. Mm-hmm. That, you know, they take a healthy, make a healthy poop at 16 and a half. You're like, good boy, good boy. <laughs> you know, you're so happy. God. 
Yeah, my dad. My dad used to say that. Like, you, when you're young, you never appreciate the value of a really good shit. <laughs> I'm like, Merry Christmas. <laughs> nice to talk to Chris you. Chris, gather around. I'm gonna tell you I about my shit. Remember, there's a story about Colin Quinn walking out of a bathroom and like just looking white as a ghost, and someone saying like, "What? What? Are you okay?" And he's like, "I just took a shit that smells like my father's shit." <laughs> <laughs> There, there must be like a moment in time for men that. Oh God, I've. Uh, yeah, there was that peppery smell of a man, an old man shit. It's really fucking peppery. Yeah. peppery. What's, what's in the Hawaiian diet? Pepper. God, duck. My dog's shits have been so painful for him. It's so hard to watch. He he actually makes a G sound, which I didn't know is possible for animals. He's he'll go like. Get the salve. Do you have to put salve? Well, um, what I do is I wipe his asshole with like one preparation H wipe. Mm-hmm. You're a good mom. Yeah, That's what a good mom does. So is our is our is like anal glands fucked up? Yeah, they're like. Well, you. That's no. I had a smaller dog. It's about the size of her dog, and like you know, she had a lot of anal gland problems. Though. They would get infected, and they, or they wouldn't work. Maybe that's Myra's problem. Uh, he's okay. He's, has he's anyone expressed your anal glands lately? Do you express your anal glands? Do you express them? Yes. He's got beautiful blue eyes that float over his natural brown eyes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's glaucoma. Um, but I'll tell you this: I gotta go home because I'm meeting Alec at seven. Well, thank you for uh, taking time to come and chat with it us. It was a delight. I love it. It's so fun. Yeah, anytime, anytime you want. You're, well, you can come on crazy. here. <laughs> every week. I'm just saying, every week we should all get together. And I bought a poster of Bill Murray. I'm gonna get the Clark W. Griswold one. It yeah. sold out. What? Oh, I've got Clark I've... Griswold sold out? God damn it! Which one? The Clark oh, W. God, Griswold. Oh God, I love that one. I know it sold yeah. out. It's so great. Oh yeah. So for anyone else, uh, gallery1988.com and the show runs. We'll link to it as part of our multimedia. Yeah. Seventy twenty Melrose Avenue and the show runs till January twenty ninth. Lee Herman. Oh sorry. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Lee Herman one, the Bill Murray one, the Brian Posehn one. It was just like incredible. Norm Macdonald as Turd Ferguson. Yep. That's so great. Bunch of Conans. There's a Flight of the Concords dolls. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's Norm Macdonald as Burt Yeah, sorry, it's Burt Yeah, it's fine. Enjoy your burrito. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Are you tired of dating assholes? Do you want a Prince Charming? If so, we're filming a reality show. Sign up here. 12 American women are flown over to the UK for a Bachelor-style reality dating show. There are so many questions about a show like this because it's so odd. These women have been told that they were going to be dating the world's most eligible bachelor, Prince Harry. What? Y'all playing with me, right? You can binge The Bachelor of Buckingham Palace exclusively on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app.